Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. three questioners that's what i've decided to call you people you people with well however long this will take time on your hands uh it's andy richter you're listening to the three questions and it is my extreme pleasure uh to have tim heidecker on the show today hi tim hello thank you for making time with me <laughs> you're welcome yeah 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 uh, or for me i guess sounded like you're going to go into a mark Marin riff at the top there with the my three questioners oh my yeah three no. question eater i don't questionators. Listen, i don't listen to, yeah i mean <laughs> it wasn't in, really no yeah. you're not influenced by other podcasts uh, no because i don't listen to really <laughs> any of them <laughs> i mean no i actually do know i do know uh Marin's, but i i don't i don't listen to any podcast with any regularity uh, because uh, I'm lazy, I guess. And What um, about heart? Are you a history buff? Sort of. And I mean, and I do listen. There are some, like there's one that I, I, I enjoy called Noble Blood that's all kind of about like. The white supremacy that no. you're into. <laughs> it's about like <laughs> trashy royal shit. You oh, know? okay. Yeah. But like through history. You right. Know, kind of. Uh, I mean, trashy in that it's sort of, you know, the lurid, kind of more lurid aspects right. of it. But no, I bet it's – and people are pitching me podcasts all the time. Um, to listen to. To listen to. But I end up – like, I listen – if I'm li- – first of all, I'm not in the car a ton. Mm-hmm. I don't You've sit- just sort of designed your life so that you are – not driving cr- across Precisely. Town. Right. I live I live in Burbank. I right. work in Burbank. You live in Glendale. Yeah. Which is probably the only reason you're here is because, what are you, five minutes I'm away? five minutes away. We have, yeah, our, yeah. we have our absolutely office in Glendale as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's the key. If you can do that here. We were doing a commercial last week. Eric and I direct commercials mm-hmm. uh, to fill the time and <laughs> to pay the bills. <laughs> uh, and the commercial was shooting in Marina Del Rey. Yeah. For three days straight. And it like, drove you crazy. Well, no. We said, well, we have to stay in Marina Del Rey when we're shooting the commercials. Oh, really? So put us up in a hotel. Because I couldn't – like, it's an hour – it's two yeah. hours to Oh, absolutely. There, and then two hours to come home, so. I did a uh, – I, I was developing a game show for an uh, outside production company. And we – we're trying to sell it to Game Show Network, who are in Santa Monica. Oh, forget it. And I had two days, and, and I went through, uh, did a presenta- live presentation in the conference room at Game Show Network, <laughs> doing performing this game show two days in a row, first for just the president right. of the Game Show Network, and then the next day with 
they found like it's it was a show with it's like a quiz show with a family. Right. They found some family to be the fucking <laughs> contestants for the audi- for the pitch of the yeah, show. Yeah, right? and then all the decision makers of the game show network came down and watched us put on a the little demo, game yeah. show. Each morning I had to be there at 9 a.m., which means <laughs> I had to worst. leave Burbank at 7 a.m. Right. And just barely make it on time. No. That's not a way to live life. And yeah. And then uh, compounding it was the first day someone from Game Show Network saying like, oh, I'm surprised that you're here. Usually just a producer mm-hmm. when we do these presentations, a producer sits in, in for the host. <laughs> like the host doesn't actually show up can, to um, do this. They can imagine that it would yes. be a real host. So yeah. it's like, oh, so what you're telling me is, is my time is far too cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm far too yeah. accessible. And then they and then they fucking passed. They're like, uh-huh. it was all trivia. And they're like, uh, we, we're not doing trivia. Like, that is you the, had me come out here two fucking days. That's the word. If, you, if you're asked to go and, I mean, this people listening to this must not be psyched to hear this conversation. Right. Tough shit, like, people. T- yeah, but if it's like you have a meeting um, in Santa Monica yeah. to pitch a show that you have a f- good feeling they're not going to pick up. Right. Like, it's a dumb idea. Your agent's doing their job. They got you the meeting. You feel like, I guess I have to pitch it to these people, but I know they're not going to pick it up. And it's at 3 o'clock. Oh. Uh, you know. Uh, and like uh, on a Friday. On a Friday. Yeah, yeah. That's when they can get me in. Okay. I guess uh, that's four hours, four or five hours with the meeting and yeah. involved. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, you could, it's a you little could, heartbreaking. Right. And you could fucking. You could. You could drive to Santa Barbara. And be swimming in the ocean, but in the same amount of time that it takes you to go get rejected and drive yeah, exactly. back home. Exactly, and know? you could have done that on uh, FaceTime. Yeah, you could have sat in bed and video yeah, chatted yeah. through the meeting. Yeah, people are and laughing, listen, thinking we're doing some kind of bit, but we're very serious. No, about this, this is no. I mean, I'm <laughs> it's sorry. Our life. I know people are like, <laughs> oh, entitled, and oh, it must be rough, and oh, right. you know, there's a million people that wish they could be. Well, g- g- if there's a million people, have at it, people. <laughs> As my dad would say when I was a kid, call the kid in Ethiopia. <laughs> if I complain about anything, how does that like, kid? In, look, that kid in Ethiopia he doesn't has even have a, a phone. phone. Yeah, hello. Uh, but no, it is. It is true. No matter what you do, like I would. It's all relative. Yeah, and and who could be the uh, fucking Pollyanna their whole life and be like, oh, I'm so lucky. I can yeah. never complain. <laughs> like, no shit, it's my life. Yeah, you know? yeah. And 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 I, sitting in the car for me is the same as sitting in the car for somebody in Kansas City. Sure. You know, so it doesn't matter. Anyways, the, we got the bitching out of the way. I hope there's more because, man. I have many things to complain about. Bitching is one of my favorite things in the whole world. And there's lots to, oh. to be upset about. Oh, absolutely. Rant, about absolutely. Ranting, ranting. I rant. Absolutely. So uh, you're from fucking you're from the Hell. goddamn Rust Belt. Rust Belt. Belt. Yeah. Right. Allentown, Pennsylvania. Allentown. We call it Allentown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and we where, where your Southern people, accents. Were your people like, you know, factory people? I mean, is that, mm. yeah? I mean, why uh, Allentown? Almost. Well, uh, let me think. I uh, I was, my dad was, uh, had a, a Ford uh, car dealership. Uh-huh. That was his dad's. Heidecker Ford? It was called Emmaus Ford, which was the the area, I the, see. the township, or whatever. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side. Did he do TV commercials? There was, yes. And well, there is one that I'm in. Oh, wow. They're literally kicking tires, like when I'm like nine years old. 
There was is that a, online? You got to put that. I, it, there's it's probably on tape somewhere in our in our basement. Yeah, yeah. Also, you should find that. That would should, be really fun. Yeah, yeah. There there were commercials. So it was my dad. Uh, he had that. But no, people. I've, I've noticed this thing in the past maybe years. I think there was in reference to one of these congressmen, the guy Matt Getz. Yeah. Where there was this thing online saying, this guy looks like the son of a guy who, whose dad owns a car dealership. Have yeah. you seen that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I look at that and go, well, my personal experience growing up with a dad who owned a car dealership was not, it was not like we were rich. Yeah. They owned a Ford dealership in the 80s, um, which was, there was just one dealership. They didn't have like a chain of them. Sure. And there were five other Ford dealerships in Allentown, right? Oh, <laughs> or wow. Or three or something. Right, right. And Chevy and, 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 you know, this was the era of like high inflation and gas prices were, uh, you know, as the oil embargo going, there's all sorts of things that made owning a car dealership very hard, very thin margins and yes, very absolutely. That's what I was going to say. It's all thin stressful. margin. It's always thin super margins, stressful. Yeah. And my dad worked six days a week. You know, he would come home for dinner and then go back to the dealership to be there till it closed. You know, so it was like not a luxurious thing to do to be, own a car dealership. And it's also something he didn't want to do. Yeah. For, to begin with, you yeah. know, it was one of those things he came out of college. Went to went to work there for his dad for the summer, and then just never left. You know, just kind of kept taking on more responsibility. And were then, you were you aware of that sort of regret? Was it something that he was open I about? I think it was a little. Yeah, as I got older, he was just like you know, he was very much encouraging. Like, make sure you do what you want to do. Yeah, don't just do this because you think you have to do it. Like that. You know, he was very supportive of the of me uh, getting involved in the arts and and doing. You know, pursuing my dreams. That's good. What What did he want to do? What was his druthers? Ooh, um, he was interested in um, philosophy. Oh, really? And political uh, science, and uh, he wanted to go to the New School in New York. That was his. Oh, wow. kind of Dream. Um, but yeah, so he still pursues that kind of stuff, and he 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 uh, is always re you know reading. Uh, I wouldn't say self-help, but, but like kind of new, he's like, you know, new age kind of, oh, new really? age kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, his interests in that. Yeah, yeah. I would say he's But did he have like a specific, like, did he want to be a therapist? Did he want to be a teacher? What do you think? I mean, I think or is it just sort of to, Yeah, nebulous, I don't, you know? it's nebulous. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he might be able to answer it better than me. Right. But. <laughs> well, why uh, the fuck so, isn't he here? Yeah, so he'd be I a great interview. I got the wrong Heidegger. He'd be a great interview. On my mom's side, they were even more, they were strict blue collar. He, my grandfather on my mom's side was a, crane operator, uh, World War II vet, like, you know, yeah, basically yeah. a union guy yeah. uh, working, building bridges and, you know, the building roads, uh, f retired fairly, you know, retired when you were supposed to retire, sure. 65, 60, 65, and uh, was a janitor at JCPenney's after he retired, you know, like- Because he wanted to keep, keep working. Yeah, yeah, keep working. And uh, yeah, so, and, you know, church going, strict Protestant- um, you know, believed the earth was created in six days yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, watched the televangelist, but also very funny, very loved uh, music, loved comedy, loved to laugh, loved yeah. joking and stuff. So, yeah. How many? Pretty roots, you know, normal, normal suburban, but nothing remarkable. How many kids uh, do I have? No. Uh, in your family? Oh, yeah. Uh, siblings, I should have said. Sure. You just said how many kids. I know, I know. It was not a very good question. <laughs> it was not phrased very well at all. I have a younger sister. A younger sister? Yeah, she's uh, nine. Yeah, yeah. 
And were you a she's good? Not, were you, just, you missed that one. No, she's not. <laughs> I did miss that one. Yeah. No, when you said nine, I thought nine years younger. Yeah. Now, how many years younger is she? Uh, about three, three yeah. and a half. Yeah. Were you a, a, a kind big brother? Not according to the Super 8 films I've seen. <laughs> there was a lot of I like that throwing. you act like, like they were filmed like <laughs> separate from your experience. My, my memories. Like that you're starring in a movie you didn't know you were in. I think we were, we got along pretty well. I mean, we're real young. You know, you do the classic pushing her right, down the sure. hill and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty good. I mean, Setting her on fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember a dynamic in our house when I was a little older, when I was in high school and I was having trouble in school and I was just having discipline issues and these things that you, you that people like us, I don't know about you, but yeah. certainly go through. Um, she was a fierce defender of me to my parents. Oh, <laughs> she really? She would come down and she had sort of like a litigious kind of lawyerly kind of, uh, oh my of God. vibe. And she was I very a good at school. I have a daughter that's like, I, I don't know if she's going to be a lawyer, but oh my God, everything's a fucking negotiation. Right, right, right. Just, there's times when I just say, this is what it's going to be, and no negotiating. Yes. N- n- negotiations are closed. She would come I'm down. I'm going to be and, the dad Yeah, for she once. would passionately. Th- you have to, he needs the creative space to be able to express himself. I mean, I How old was she? I don't know. She was, if I was in, she was probably in like eighth grade or yeah, something. Yeah, like that. oh, yeah. Oh, that's really great. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. remember a few moments like that, but yeah. mostly we looked out for each other but That's we had good. different you know we were just different enough in in temperament and in interest and in age that we had yeah. our own little things right going, right you know, things going were you like a, a an outwardly funny kid because you the you, there is a difference in in knowing you like you are a fairly sensitive thoughtful mm. person in person in person right and then you're this very very silly person in kind of your comedy right persona. right was, was that did that exist in your youth? It it's funny. Uh, yes, I mean, I lo- I felt like I've maybe mellowed out a little bit in the past several years. Now that I get to do it as a job, yeah, and I do it sort of. Uh, I can I have less interest in maybe being a uh, wise ass. Yeah, in my normal going to the supermarket life, yeah. you know, maybe. I definitely had like ADD sort of vibes as a kid. I was yeah. just super hyper and super talkative and blah, blah, you know, just super wild, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know? But never, nothing like, you know, I was, I was, I think I was fairly uh, respectful. You know, I never got in serious trouble. I was not in, right. in you know, boys' school. Yeah, yeah. It was that kind of thing. It was manageable. Yeah, no, I was but, I, I was a smart ass, but I, the thought of actually getting in real trouble right. was just yeah. the worst thing in the world. Exactly. Yeah. I stayed in line for the most part. Um, but I still do lo- – I mean, uh, depending on who I'm with, if I'm with people I, that I really enjoy the, the humor of – uh, somebody like Greg or Eric or people I'm close with, it's all joking. It's yeah, all yeah. constant joke. I was at it's, uh, a thing the other night. It was like, it was one of these neighborhood, uh, or I'm in Glendale, so it was one of these like, come over and meet this guy that's running for city council. Oh, yeah. One of those kind of deals. Yeah, that yeah. You feel like I'm a grown up, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm a real, you know? Yeah, I'll go I'm to important. That. I'm a, yeah. wine and cheese and right, right. writing a check. And, uh, a friend of mine, and, and you know him very well too. I won't out him, but a, a very, very, very funny person. I'm very good friends with um, was there as well. And I got there late, and as soon as I got there, the two of us were looking at each other like we're in 
you know, church. Yeah. And we're the we're the altar boys and we can't laugh or we're gonna get slapped. Yeah. You know, and it was still that feeling of like everything, every question that's being asked, I wanna make a joke about. Uh, and I am like going nuts. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, he, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, you don't you better not say anything. And you know, and then and we've talked about it afterwards. Like, did you have that feeling of like I I wanna I wanna goof on this whole yeah, thing? Yeah. So I still have that all the time. Yeah, yeah. All the time. I had one of the one of the greatest experiences of my life was uh, I, I've listened to Howard Stern for years, yeah, me been too. a fan, been on the show yeah. a number of times. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel is a friend. When Jimmy was married, whatever, that was four or five years ago, mm-hmm. uh, just ended up sitting next to Howard at the wedding ceremony right. outside in Ojai, mm-hmm. beautiful day. And he is... The same way. Exactly that. Right. Just wants to fucking <laughs> yeah. be a smart ass. Yeah. We were whispering right. and giggling yeah. the entire fucking wedding. Yeah. And it was just so thrilling yeah. to know that this guy that's he's such a hugely influential, yeah. powerful person still still is just a fucking asshole yeah. that wants to fucking <laughs> yeah. that wants to just make fun shit of shit on everything. Yeah, just shit on everything and be a smart ass and giggle. You the know? funny story in our family that re- reminds me of that growing up was there was neighbors of my grandparents, and the 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 dynamic between the two families was the the neighbors next to my grandparents were always, the they were the uh, everything was a little better. They had the better car, they had the better whatever. They, yeah, they, were, yeah. they were a little they were a little braggadocious about uh-huh. about everything, and it was just a thing that we all knew, and it was years of that, and it was kind of an in joke and everything. And we were my family, and I was like in high school, like, like a tenth grade or something. And my, f- we were sitting at the Arby's having dinner, which is like a thing we we'd go to Arby's like once a week. Maybe. Sure, it's, you know, it's like not exactly. It's fast food. Believe me, it's fast food, but it's right. like a little. It's like one step. <laughs> your one mom, your step mom probably felt a yeah. little better. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, but the 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 one of the neighbors came over, and the. The backstory is one of their son-in-law had died in a motorcycle accident. Okay, terrible. And the 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 one of the members of the family came over to our table to say hi, and my mom said something about so sorry to hear about your son-in-law, and he started going in about how that that the how the parking lot was so full for the funeral. And that people had to park across the street, and how big how big the deal of the funeral was. And my parents, I watched my parents start losing it and start crying, like doing that thing where they start <laughs> like stifling <laughs> laughter. Like I can't believe this is happening. My parents are losing it. Yeah. And they had, my mom had to just lie about like they gave my they gave so much butter on the smashed potato. <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> and it was like such a fun thing to watch them like be in that position. Like I can't. This guy and he's not picking up on it. Right. Like right. God. But uh, I love that that fear that that fear that like tension of like I can't laugh. If I yeah, laugh, yeah, yeah. I'm fucked. Especially when it's like somebody just being. Like mm-hmm. holy shit, the the rap right. on that guy, yeah. and now he's just like <laughs> he's delivering, like yeah, like doing it way, like just yeah. in a way that you would never like that you'd be like tone it down, yeah, yeah. yeah the overflow, it can too o- much of always you. remember the overflow parking for this funeral. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, you're very were you was it a musical house because you're a very musical person, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, my uh, my grandmother on my mom's side could uh, play by ear. She could play the piano. Wow. Which was such a great magic trick if you ever see people. I mean, 
It's not, I guess it's not so, for, from when I, when I was a kid, it was like, oh my God, you could play her a song and she could sit at the piano and kind of figure it out without yeah, reading, yeah. you know, she didn't know how to read music. Wow. So, but she just played Amazing Grace and church songs and stuff. And yeah. she played in a very, uh, almost like Liberace, you know, where she would boom, 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 up the top, just kind of sure. that kind of harp style playing. Right, right. All on the black keys. And, um, and so everything was in F sharp for any music nerds. Um, but so I was, I learned that. We always were singing. My dad loved music. He loved, uh, you know, classic rock. He was yeah. big Beatles and Stones and, and he had all those records. And yeah. so I, I listened to all that stuff um, and loved all that stuff very early yeah. in my life. Like I remember my dad getting um, like the best, the Beatles 67 to 70. The red the, and blue the, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah the red yeah. and the blue ones. The blue one in particular and there was about a month or so of me and my sister laughing and thinking it was silly, silly music, especially Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yes. You know? And then something clicked. It was like, oh, this is, I'm, I'm, I want to know more about this. And I just went down deep into the rabbit hole of Beatleology. Yeah. Buying the books. And, and then that turns you into, I think it's such a gateway into all kinds of music. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because it's it's referential. Their Beatles are so right. referential to so many different things. Yes, backwards and forwards. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then I played. I had a. I always think like so many comedians, people in comedy come from music. A lot of there's a lot, lot of uh, cross pollination. Absolutely. Because music, you can get a band together in your neighborhood. And you can actually do, you can actually produce something. Yeah. You could put on a show. You could make a demo. You know, it's affordable to yeah. do that for most people. And um, it's a lot harder to put on a, to make a film or something, you know, sure. to make a sketch show. or And maybe your your humor, I don't know, your humor isn't quite baked in there yet, but you can play four chords or something. Yeah. So I find a lot of people I talk to, oh, yeah, I had a band, but I, that yep. didn't work out. So then I got a, into acting. Or I yeah. Got a, so. Um, I, think, I think a basic thing, too, it's weird. They're... they're they're weirdos. Yeah. It's it's like and you're 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 all weirdos and mm -hmm. it's kind of like these are the being funny in class or being funny around, you know, that's that's one way. And then there's also too like playing music is another mm -hmm. way to just be creative and expressive and be yeah. a weirdo and you break one way or the other, yeah. you know. And it's social, it's yeah. something to do that right. you know before you can really drink or yeah. or do anything independently, you can get together with People in a basement with yep. with gorilla amps, which you know is little ten inch amps and yeah. like ch cheap guitars he got for Christmas. And what did you start? Guitar was that your first? Uh, and at what age? I I think it was right around the same time. We had a piano in the house, so I think I played piano a little bit. Yeah, and then I got a guitar, and then I had two friends: my cousin, who was my age, and also my kind of my best friend growing up, and another guy um, who oddly both just texted me last night uh, about. A record that we loved at when I was this age, um, uh, called "Spilt Milk" by a band called Jellyfish. Uh -huh. Anyways, um, we they mean independent of each other. They just no. He it was like a group. Oh, group text. text but I, I hadn't heard from him in years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's got me nostalgic. But um, yeah, we they they were in like the, the scene in Allentown in the, in the early '90s for guys like us was hardcore and punk. Yeah, that was kind of what people my the and you're guys, 16 17 yeah. yeah yeah i wasn't into it i didn't like it 
yeah. but everybody else did. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. They're like, these guys all knew power chords. They knew, they knew like bar chords and stuff. So we all taught each other bar chords. I see. And power chords. And you just knew your pussy Beatles Yeah, bullshit. I knew my, my yeah. like jangly acoustic yeah, guitar yeah. folk stuff. So, yeah, I liked playing with it. So, so they were into that. But then we were also, I kind of turned them on to like Pink Floyd and the Beatles and and the psychedelic Jimi Hendrix and that kind of stuff. So then we started making that kind of music together, which is really bad. You know, when six, <laughs> when 16-year-olds, 16-year-old white suburban men get together to make trippy music yeah, without yeah. being on any kind of, right. without having experienced any of that, it's... It's very embarrassing. Yeah, but it's fun too. It's and fun do you get? Us. Do you start getting gigs? Do you start? We like, did play shows. Yeah, we played shows. And how? And how does that happen? Is it like at an all ages club? Yeah. Is it somebody's there was, party? There was. Know? It was mostly this one place called Scarlet's. It was an all ages club in mm-hmm. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, that had all ages nights. I don't know if it was all. all it was always all ages, but they did have these. All eight, it was a from what I remember, it looked like any old rock club. Yeah, but I guess they just didn't serve alcohol. Yeah, I know they didn't. That was that was a, a very common thing. Yeah, in you know like seventies, eighties, and I know like like I've heard Stephen Van Zant talk about like when he was a kid, they just were there was you could yeah. do that all the time. There yeah. were just all these all ages clubs because that was kind of. The notion of being a teenager who was into music, mm-hmm. having the Beatles have just, you know, Elvis and then the Beatles. Yeah. And it was all just so new and yeah. like, yeah, let's have a place for teens to go yeah. to listen to live music. Yeah. So we had a couple bands. I don't think we ever had a, we had a drummer once, but most of the time we didn't have a drummer. Wow. So it's really just the two guitars and a bass and we sang our songs. Yeah. It was yeah. probably awful. Imagine yeah. seeing a 16-year-old. All, all originals playing. or some Yeah, covers? mostly originals. Oh, wow. That yeah. does sound awful. I think. <laughs> I mean, grown-up originals yeah. are usually, uh, I 80% think, of the time you go somewhere and it's like grown-up originals you know what, we that did people a, don't know. We did a Beatle. We did Rain by the Beatles. Yeah. That was one of our standards. But uh, uh, yeah. But I just, somebody just texted me. They said, somebody was in Milwaukee and they said, oh, uh, ask Tim about uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. And it took me a second. I don't know what that means. And he says, she was at one of these shows and you had a song called Napoleon Bonaparte. And she remembers this night of right, playing right, this right. song. I couldn't tell you anything else about it, but we had some kind of funny song. I mean, and there was some. And you don't remember the song at all. It's, it's a vague Bonaparte, recollection. I just remember singing Bonaparte. <laughs> so we had like a, so like the next year we had a slightly sillier band. We started yeah. introducing comedy and like. I think I can't remember who we would have been influenced by, but there were some funny, maybe Ween, probably yeah, yeah. Ween, Ween, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe Fish, even yeah. Which I wouldn't. I'm not. I never stayed with that. I didn't become a Fish head. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think they were. They had some funny music early on. Yeah, whimsical, absurd. Yeah. Um, they now. Do you start playing that music out of? Because it's what you want to do, or because it's kind of the, an audience is responding to it. Oh, uh, oh, no! Audience was responding to, to it. We anything. were not picking up on any cues <laughs> from an audience. <laughs> I think we were just we'd get shows like very sporadically. Yeah. Um, and then late, the last band I was in, we we had a we had a drummer in high school. It was about as professional a band as we could have. Yeah. We played more shows. We made a demo in the studio, and it was like. 
90s, uh, like, gin blossoms had come. Like, yeah. Just, like, folky rock. I wouldn't say, I don't know why I said gin blossom. It, one of the songs reminds me of that, I guess. But there were singer-songwriters. But I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, like, three-minute pop songs yeah. kind of guys. But, uh, and that was, we kind of, that was as big as that ever got. It was like, well, do you, and you, you go to, like, the bookstore and buy the book of, like, how to get a, how to tour as a band or something, right, you know, right. like there's like that section sure. of the bookstore that's like, yep. you know, music and film and, and stuff and sent the demos around and that was it. it was like, Is there any uh, cachet among your peers as being in a band? Like, are you cool at school? At school? The thing that was cool at school for me was not that. It was that I, there was a closed circuit morning TV show uh-huh. that that me and my friends ran. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was like the morning news and weather, basically. Right. But we were allowed to do kind of whatever we wanted yeah. within bounds. And so we would put on little s- sketches and do stupid stuff, you know, wow. we would... Uh, and that you could see right away, like within a couple of weeks, I was the guy at school who was on TV every morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And doing our funny stuff. And I literally became the homecoming king of my high school because, I, because of that. Of that. Yeah, just yeah. I didn't campaign for it or anything like that. Right, just like, right. Uh, and I was what, the guy. And do you weren't, were you, did you play football? Because usually just, that's I was a football quarterback. player. Oh, were you no, really? I just no, no, I don't no, know. I, mean, I know, I know. It's it's funny to me. Because usually course, homecoming would, is f- yeah. football. You Am know? I, I was either elected as a joke uh-huh. That's one theory. Right, or right. that those other football people- a protest? Like, like, yeah. <laughs> just like a <laughs> prank. Fuck this nonsense. Like a prank. Yeah. Uh, on me. Or it was just that, that, that like canceling out of, yes. you know, those other people all sure. voted themselves. And I was like the the last man. Yeah, and I was prom king, uh, which I, you know, I was intensely aware because of my broken brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone who had been on homecoming court in the fall- was disqualified. <laughs> for, so it's like, I was like, and it was five, I think, like five boys and five girls. And so like, even as I was being prom king, I was like, oh great, I'm sixth most popular. <laughs> you know? Just cancel the whole thing at that point if it's I getting know. to I know, exactly. I was a, such a dick. I was like, I didn't even put on the fucking ricotta cheese I didn't go to the crown. prom. I didn't go to the prom because I was in a play <gasps> in, in the local theater Group. It was, I felt very cool. Wow! Can't go to the play. I can't go to the prom. I'm in a play. Did you have a girlfriend to, that was like disappointed that you didn't take her? Or no? No, I don't. Th- I think that my girlfriend maybe at the time didn't go to my school or something. Oh, I see. It was not something where I didn't have one. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't. I had girlfriends. Right. Believe me. I had, oh, I understand. You know, I mean, let's not it's get the wrong so, idea. The chronology is probably yeah, so hard no, to no, follow because we, well, we there were so many. <laughs> yeah, just a cavalcade of beautiful yeah. faces. Yeah, one after the other. Um, well, now, do you think I'm going to be a musician? Do you mm-hmm. think I'm going to be an actor? Or do you just think I'm going to college and figuring it out? So the way I remember it is I was always doing theater. theater I was doing theater. I mean, listen, I was in a play. I couldn't go to the prom. I, I've already Jesus stated Christ. that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're um, like fucking – and so you went to Juilliard, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a thing in Pennsylvania called the Governor's School that was like a summer program for theater and music and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was everyone was saying like, "Oh, well, you're a sh- you're, you're you've got to do this because you're yeah. the you're the theater kid at this this Catholic school that I was at. You're one of the you're, you're a shoe in." And I had this mentor teacher uh, who was involved in the local theater, and she. Uh, worked with me to, to audition for this, and I was going to do that the 
the freshman year of high school before my freshman year of high school. And I auditioned for it and I didn't get in. Excuse me. And I was wow, like, it's still hard for you. You it, almost, I cried. Almost. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah, I was yeah. really bummed. You were just burping now. Just I was for burping. The audience. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. burping, which I will do throughout the broadcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, now, um, now you put a lot of pressure on it. You better fucking burp. I promise. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I made a choice. My, at the same time, I was getting into film. I was getting into Woody Allen movies, big, big time. I remember my aunt had these, this, all his movies on VHS tape. Yeah. She had like the, the Maroon. It was like a whole series yeah, that they yeah. put out, you know? I was getting into that. I was getting into SCTV and, uh, you know, Albert Brooks movies, a little, uh, you know, spy, all these great comedies right. that I just started falling in love with. This, yeah, the comedies that mm-hmm. you're, if you're serious about comedy as a kid, you start yeah, looking at. Yeah, either you love it or it's no, of no interest yes, to you. Yes, yes. I loved it. And I thought, well, I, I, I don't want to be, I thought, wouldn't it be smarter to go to film school than to go to acting school? Because I felt my confidence in acting and, and, and just leaving it up to auditions and leaving it up to that kind of thing felt very tenuous. And yeah, very, yeah. And so, so I thought, well, I could learn a trade. I could learn – I could also be, you know, looking at Woody Allen being like, I could, I could make my own movies. I could mm-hmm. be in my own movies and do my own things. I had that thought, and so I – Wanted to go to film school and looked at t- NYU. Was too scared to go to NYU. Like yeah. didn't didn't apply. Just, yeah. just said I don't want to. This seems too crazy. But then went to found Temple University in Philly, which had a f- pretty decent film school. Mm-hmm. Went and just and went there. It was a state school, so it was like easy to get into. How far from home is that? An hour and a half or so. Oh, yeah, so it was yeah. far enough. It was big. Right. I mean, Philadelphia is a big city, of course, and Allentown is not. And uh, yeah. Uh, we didn't go there. We didn't go to Philly. We went there like once a year yeah, for whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like down the street. It was a. It was a, another and place. And it's daunting probably too. It's intimidating Phil- and well, scary. And yeah. Temple University is in North Philly, which is the, the, the you know, the ghetto yeah. of Philadelphia. And it was, it's a little better now. But when I went there, it was like burned out row homes. Wow. And, you know, like dime stores and, and, just wackos and shopping carts and yeah. guns around, and it was the the campus was there. It was like a, that was from a that was across the street from our dorms. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, it was like real. So you kind of would you and you sort of stayed there. You stayed, stayed, stayed on campus. campus. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we went to, to downtown. We went downtown and did yeah. did stuff. We got used to it pretty quickly, but yeah, it was yeah. a pretty big shift in my life. Yeah. Is there where do you live? Do you live off campus then, or do you just stay in the dorms? First year. On campus, uh, in the dorms, um, and then second year and onward, lived down, lived in South Philly. Oh, okay. Um, so you, yeah, yeah. But in that first year, my third floor dorm down about five doors down was a man named Eric Wareheim. Oh wow! And um, and then another very close friend who's now a, a pretty successful DP, but. Three or four of a very, very, very close, longtime friends were on that floor. Wow. And that's how I knew them. That's and where, was Eric from Pennsylvania too? I yeah, he was yeah. from uh, outside of Philly, a little yeah, closer. Yeah. Other, little closer. Did you meet each other like right, up, like right off the bat? Pretty early on. We were in – we were both in film school, so we were in the same like introductory classes. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Um, and again, a case of like – I remember being in a big lecture hall where you're learning about, you know – 
Nanook of the North and yeah, shit yeah, like yeah. that. You know? Right, right, right. And, uh, and us sitting in the back and we had already kind of like, we were already the weirdos. You could tell we were the weird kids, uh-huh. even in film school. Yeah. I had two fucking, I went to film school. Yeah. I, I, everything you basically said was, was me. Yeah. Right. I mean, I grew up an hour west of Chicago. Right. Might as well have been three hours west of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, except the difference is I went two years to University of Illinois to just basic liberal arts before right. I switched into film school. Right. But it was the same thing. I wanted to act, but yeah. I just was, it was, that seemed more humble, right. you know, and <laughs> right. more, and more yeah. just sensible. Yeah. You like, get a communications degree or yeah. something like that. And I, I mean, and at the time it was very, there were, there were very formative movies, especially Chicago became uh, a, a very like a hotbed of film production for a while because yeah. they had John a, Hughes. yeah the exact Blues Brothers yeah. you know there and and there was and there was also a movie there was a movie called Thief but that James Caan yeah. was in that mm-hmm. Michael Mann directed mm-hmm. very very formative to me because a I loved it and b it was I it was it was all I knew all these places right and it was like okay you can do this right like you there's there's, it's yeah. not, you, you know, you're not going to be James Caan, mm-hmm. but you could be the guy you hanging the lights. Yeah, you yeah, could be, you could be the guy that, you know, right. sets fire to the cars. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> right, there's yeah. jobs yeah. there. So yeah. that's, I, I did that thing, mm-hmm. but I'm just, you know, but it's very similar to, I mean, I wasn't one of the, the they were much artsier kids than me. Well, you know? and I was actually, a, I hate to compare myself to a great film character in the history of speaking of John Hughes, but I was kind of the uh, Ferris Bueller type yeah. guy where I was kind of friends with a little all the different pockets. I wasn't firmly – I wasn't a goth kid. Right. But I probably got along with right, some right, goth right. kids. I was kind of normal. You can see I'm kind of right, just like a right. normal guy. Right, right. On the outside. And by know? Ferris Bueller, you mean you were a sociopath who only cared about himself. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But you know, he was kind of popular at school. But right, he didn't no, I know fit, what you, you mean. Know, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, and, so, I, and I, was, I was in a similar – Right. You know, I was like – I didn't – you know, like I didn't have the black fingernails. Right. And coming from a small town and meeting the kids with black fingernails, it was very daunting. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh, they're just – they're yeah. just fucking kids, you know. Well, I remember know. early in that college experience, my friend Jared. We he was he was the guy that had all the weed, and <laughs> and he was into ska, and he was like a very big personality, and, was, and still is. He's really funny, really one of the funniest people I know. And I we got out on some, and there were a lot of African Americans, and especially. African American basketball players on our floor, uh-huh. and who and, played on the on and, the and jocks, on Temple's on Temple's yeah, basketball yeah, team, yeah, yeah. and they're just a lot of jocks and a lot of like just intimidating people for for us to be around. Yeah. We were kind of weirdos, you know. Yeah. We felt we were kind of weird. And I remember at some like fire alarm thing when we we're all outside, I was feeling maybe a little intimidated or just a little like insecure about being in college and just being away from home and stuff. And he was like, dude, they're all fucking scared of us. We're the freaks. Don't yeah. you know? Like they're looking at us like they're freaked out by us. Yeah. Yeah. You got nothing to worry about. We should do whatever we want. And he was all like that. And I was like, oh, you're right. We're like, people are intimidated by us because of how like we're just being goof. We're being, you know, goofballs. Yeah. Yeah. Control. I just remember that. I don't know how true it is, but. Um, yeah. It is weird. Your perspective on things. I still. I mean, I played sports. Mm-hmm. I'm a large person. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I was never 
really bullied or anything. There were, yeah. I mean, there were a couple, a couple of kind of big bullies that were just assholes to me, incidentally. But there was never any long campaign. Yeah, yeah. I still. You know, to like go to a sports bar while mm-hmm. people are watching football, I still feel like <laughs> I'm going to get a wedgie. Yeah. You know, I st- it's st- there's still this like feeling of like, yeah. oh my gosh, these guys are really Dude, male. I, have it, I mean, I have you it know? today. Like you think about even today coming here where it's like on, you're driving onto the Warner Brothers lot, which is where we are. We're, you're doing the Conan O'Brien show here yeah. at this dude. I have this feeling of like, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. You're a guy that I, if you look back at like high school finding comedy, it's like you're there for me on TV. Yeah. You and Conan, like, were the guys where I was like, I love, what do you love? I would write Conan, Letterman, Simpsons. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I still feel that stuff is never goes away. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's you're always like, this feeling of if I'm auditioning for something or if I'm going to do something that where there are stakes involved, it's t- still t- incredibly uh, stressful, yeah, <laughs> anxiety yeah. ridden. But um, I mask it pretty well. Yeah, I guess. Oh, I yeah, no, I still. I mean, I'm used to like being on the Warner Brothers lot, yeah. but it's but I still get. Right. It's still fun. It's never not right. fun. Yeah, it's crazy to walk by. Where they did fake, Casablanca or whatever. That or even right. just fake buildings. Yeah. <laughs> just like <laughs> this street looks like New York yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's fake. Yeah, you yeah. know. Um Well, when we came out to LA, we were and I I think I've never gotten over this feeling of being like the new kids. Yeah. Because what Eric and I were doing was so weird and I guess so disruptive or whatever. And we weren't really part of any kind of group. Yeah. And we're not part of the UCB. We're not part of any of these little c- conclaves of yeah. community. I mean, it was no real community. You were your own little we're conclave. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And, but we did, our only connection really was through sort of the Mr. Show gang because Bob had kind of discovered us. Uh, Bob Odenkirk had discovered How did, us. D- explain that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we had, Eric and I had made all these shorts together in college, after college mostly. And uh, where were were you? Did you Philly. stay in Philly? Yeah, yeah. I was in Philly for a couple of years, but then I moved to New York. And are they online? Is that where yeah, people you, are finding some them? Some of them. Well, n- not really Th- at this time. Yeah, this is really stuff wasn't going up online at this point. Mm-hmm. This is two thousand two. Yeah, something. So there wasn't. There's my second burp. All right, you weren't lying. <laughs> uh, there wasn't YouTube. YouTube yeah. is until 2006. Okay. Um, I would and, have never. Yeah, I, I, I just I just happened to know that. Yeah. But um, there was you could put stuff up with QuickTime, and there'd be little files that you could watch on our website. You yeah. Know? But mostly it was still DVDs and VHS tapes that you could send to people, and people would watch them. Yeah, That's yeah. That's how we did it. That's how life was. There was we can almost hardly there imagine was, that. I know. There were, well, and especially like in the 90s. Mm-hmm. There was a whole culture of weird tapes of that course, you yes. get, and that like having been in film, I have and they such crazy weird shit. Like there mm-hmm. was what, the best one, and then and then people would do live shows of and them, play them, yeah, yeah. Like uh, like there's a, one the Todd Weeks tape. Do you know Todd Weeks? Yeah, I know. It's name. a it's a completely crazy weird probably on the spectrum guy mm-hmm. who uh does in his basement 
martial arts. Oh, I didn't. I martial arts demonstrations yeah. of like, you know, watch this. I'm going to, this is 60 punches in 10 seconds. Right, and then he right. does it. It's <laughs> yeah. not 60 punches right, in 10 right. seconds, you know. Well, we, we were just, I was just watching that, that Eddie Murphy Dolomite movie. And, yeah. And high school, we watched those Dolomite oh, movies. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, how did I know? How did I know even to check that out? I, know, I don't I even know. know. Right. But we loved it and we laughed because you could see the boom yep. in the shot. You know, yep, so, yep. So that's how we all – but anyways, with Bob, we – I was sitting uh, at work in New York. I had some job as an assistant in a big office building, you know, wasting – what I felt was wasting my life. And yeah. Eric and I would make stuff and chat on Insta- – on, uh, not Instagram, on IM – and make videos and then figure out, like, what are we going to do? Like, what, Eric was shooting a wedding, he was doing wedding photography uh-huh. and uh, videography and stuff. And and I just went on the internet and was looking for people that that I identified with that we could send our tapes to, you know, and, and got kind of lazy with it. I think I sent it to Smigel. Uh-huh. I think I sent it to Conan whatever that address was in New York. Yeah, yeah. I sent it to, and I sent it to Odenkirk because I we loved Mr. Show. Yeah. And also I felt like, I bet, if you remember in 2001, Cross was big. Yes. He had that stand up. Yep. I thought, what if, maybe Bob's not getting the love right now from people, <laughs> right? <laughs> a little uh, bit. Yeah, a little so you were that. calculating, yeah. you know, that's good showbiz right but there. But I also, we were also just, we were such big fans of him. Yeah. And, and uh Anyways, he 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 watched it, and called me on my phone on my cell phone. Oh work, wow! And was like, "Who are you guys? What's going? on? This is amazing. Who are you?" It's my Bob. It's pretty good. Whoa! It's so good. But <laughs> it was a little of that. I was like, "Shit! I don't. I can't believe this." You know. And he was like, "Who are you? Who are you with? Like, what's your deal?" We're like, we're just a couple of friends from college making yeah, yeah. videos and. And then he got more and more. He kind of kept uh, in touch with us and helped set us up with a couple of meetings and and just kind of t- you know you know Bob he's a he's a very like he's a nurturing yeah like, he's really he's, he's a, a fan life, and he's a fan he's a lifer yep he has a he has many thoughts on what's yep. funny and why it's funny and and he's kind and and uh, and it also is like it's a cause to mm-hmm. him yeah like, yeah like comedy is a cause yes. to him yeah yeah and so he took us under his wing he really believed in us he showed us to some people and some people were like well why don't you get these guys on a writing staff or something yeah. no 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 don't don't let them learn any bad habits you know <laughs> like that kind of thing and uh what a nice thing to say to you yeah too. i well, mean because jesus christ he's so right you know? yeah it's true but and it was crazy if you look at our early early stuff it's it's not all there yet i mean yeah. it's, it's a mess it's, why would it be though why would know? it be exactly yeah, yeah. so it took a lot for him to i think see that there was something different there that could could grow into something else but I guess I started saying that because coming out here, there was that class of people yeah. that was older than us and had done been through the works and had gone about things a different way. And I always, you know, feel like the the new kid in town because mm-hmm. of that. Um, and then there's, you know, now that I'm 43 and I've been doing this for 15 years, there are younger people now mm-hmm. that are doing stuff that I can uh, try to be cool to or not not make them feel bad, but, yeah. you know, it's a different feeling than, you know, seeing somebody like Mary Lynn Ricekaup at a bar and yeah. being like, hi, I'm working with uh, Bob Odenkirk. And, and she's like, who gives a shit? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she's such a bitch. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, I'm kidding. She's yeah. a wonderful person. Uh, and she really is. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just like the feeling of being the freshman Absolutely. in high school here. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and especially, too, you guys really are being plucked from obscurity. Mm-hmm. And you're not being plucked from obscurity by a mogul. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Bob, right. It's Bob, and Bob is respected, but right. Bob is also like – Bob is the guy from that weird sketch show on HBO that most people are puzzled by. Right, right, right. He's not a, a huge mover and a shaker. Especially then, too. Yes. I mean, now you could maybe he's oh, got of a course. Different, now, different perception. Absolutely. But, but in those days, yeah. it was, you know, you, right. you know. It didn't give you anything. F- no, not, yeah. it, not in terms of like the people that actually sign checks. Right. You yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, it's he, he could definitely get you in front of people that you respect, right. but not necessarily people that could make yeah. huge things happen. Yes. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Can't you tell my love's a growing? So you come out here and are you doing live shows? No, or we came we came out here with a cartoon from a, with Adult Swim. They bought Tom Goes to the Mayor. Oh wow! As a as a they I guess they I, 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 I totally for I, yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah I, yeah um, you were one of the few people I don't think that were on it. There was I don't know why I'm, <laughs> I'm a dick. Yeah, I said, got a real no. high price. Yeah, you know. I don't remember, but I'm sure we probably. What asked year was that? 2000, maybe you were still in New York. It was, I don't know, 2004. No, no, I was here, but I might have just yeah. been, you know, I don't, I don't know. remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. But we had all kinds of people on there. And, uh, but yeah, we ca- we got a development deal when we were on the East Coast to do a pilot. Basically, this is how nuts we were about, like, not knowing the business. We got, a, I think it was a $15,000 development deal mm-hmm. to to write a pilot 
not necessarily to make, you know how it goes. Sure, not, you sure. don't even know if you're going to make the show. Yeah. And, uh, but there was talk of like, listen, this is kind of a, a, a step that they have to do. They're very interested in it. But with that money, we that splits two ways. And we said, we're moving to California. Wow. You know? That's hilarious. <laughs> Which is not no, something to buy a house with, you know? I know. It gets no, you I basically moved, out here. But the idea I moved, was- I moved out here for Cabin Boy and I made, <laughs> uh, to do Cabin yeah, Boy. Yeah. And that was like, ah, right. Yeah. This is my, I, I got a job in a movie. I'm moving. And that was, I think- I think it was about fifteen grand. Yeah, you know that yeah. that like all told, but I over spread over you know three months of right. production and within it's vaporized. I mean, yeah, also too, yeah. I was coming here own money. Sure, it just is gone. But I you know? I remember years and years. I think even as a young as when I originally maybe thought about going to UCLA or I thought about doing going to California after college. I had this thing in me that was like, I don't. That's the one place I don't want to go unless I'm asked to go or invited to go. Yeah. It felt too intimidating. We we did an internship out here in college. Eric and I both spent the summer out here. Um, we both felt- For whom? I interned for Working Title Pictures. Mm-hmm. Remember them? Yep. Uh, or they still do. I picked up the phone. John Malkovich called one day. It was yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also interned on a three uh, $300,000 horror movie- Starring Seth Green. Oh, wow. <laughs> I say 300000 because I remember uh, just – it, it eventually they had to shut down production because they ran out of money. Yeah. We were working out of the producer's right. apartment. You know, so I got, <laughs> I got both sides of yeah, the business yeah. that yeah. summer. And also you're obsessed with money. I can't – Everything I love, I know, is everything about is, whatever the dollar amount I'd, attached, that's all yeah. you're about. But it did feel like – I don't want to be – no offense to grips, but I don't want to like work yeah. through the grip – uh, lighting, you know. Yep. I had done some work. I'd, I'd done props. You yep. Know? And she's like, this is, I might as well just work anywhere. Like, I don't, like, a, a little sort of a counterpoint to the idea of, like, I can just work around movies, like what you were saying about Thief. I got a taste of that and said, this this feels like I'm so close to it, but also very far away right, from right, it. Right, I want to be creative, and it's a little hard to be creative when you're yeah, when I started, sandbags. Yeah, when right? I started being a PA on commercials, I realized – that the people that made the creative decisions, so and which was like agency, because it's commercials, yeah. agency people uh, and directors, and none of the directors ever gave anybody coffee. No. They all were like either agent ad agency people or they right. had been editors at places. Yeah. And I just was like, uh, okay, this, yeah. you know. And I was, I could have bended up. I did props too. I, yeah. And I enjoyed doing that. It was yeah. like fun work that I have a facility for. But I, but yeah, it was the same thing. It's like, I'm never. I'm not going to be good at this. My creative decisions are going to be like, okay, they want a couch. <laughs> I can <laughs> give them five choices or three choices. Dude, you know? I have so many. From just doing props on one movie and then getting hired on another movie and getting fired from that second movie uh-huh. because I'm not good at doing props. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so many of those pre, also, this is probably your story too, pre-internet Sort of pre-internet. Oh, yeah. You're like- Yellow pages. Fuck am I going to find, like, you know, a c- camping gear? Where? I don't know. I had, the, like, just that kind of stuff. Like, I had to, there uh, in the middle of July, prop out a ski lodge, and they wanted uh, all uh, birch log furniture. <laughs> Fucking in, yeah. ni- in 1990, you know- I don't. Oh no! It would have been like 1989. I got the. Can I tell you one? Yeah, yeah. 
I'm here I'm, for that. I'm sure we're long, but yeah. no, it's all right. Not okay. at all. Um, my first, pro- I was hired as the assistant prop master on a on a romantic comedy called Kimberly. I think it, you can oh, see it, right? It was Sean Aston and all these people. And the main prop master was a guy. I shouldn't say his name, but it's the best name. It is the be- I, it's, I don't care. I can't. I kind of feel like I'd hate for this guy to hear this because it's not a great. Uh, anyway, his name was Don something. Okay. And um, he was a kind of a weirdo. Uh, like he was in. He had made just basically horror movies up to this point, like yeah. small horror movies, like a horror fan mm-hmm. kind of guy. He got this job as the prop master on this romantic comedy, which just again the props just meant like you know get get uh, lighting and get. Things for apartments, yeah. and you know, it was nothing a like lamp, it wasn't a, a genre. Laptop. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. a genre thing. It was just life. It was normal life, and the it was leading up to this day, to the first day of shooting. And Don, I was just running out getting stuff for Don and picking stuff up and organizing it and and all this stuff. And first day of shooting comes, and uh, we there was somebody needed rollerblades. For the scene, we forgot to get rollerblades. I get sent to Walmart to get rollerblades at seven in the morning. It's a stressful day. Things are not. People are unhappy with some of the, the props. <laughs> I remember. I remember the details. I know that it was a stressful, bad day for Don. Yeah, yeah. Right. Next day, I show up to work seven in the morning. People, I start showing up. People are kind of. You could see people kind of confused. The art department is confused. Where's Don? I've, we can't get a hold of Don. Don should have been here a half hour ago. Have you heard from Don? Where's Don? Right. Where's the prop truck? We don't know where the prop truck is. Prop truck should have been. It has everything yeah. on it. Yeah. Finally, about an hour, whatever goes by, somebody finds out Don has left the prop truck in front of the production office with a note that says, "I'm out. I can't do this. <laughs> I'm out. I'm sorry. I quit. I uh, it's too I, it's too stressful and I apologize. Goodbye." Wow. <laughs> and they're like, "Well, right, now I'm the prop master because wow. I was the assistant prop master." <laughs> <laughs> he just put his hands up yeah. and said, I can't, "I'm done." Oh, wow. So I got through that note with a note on the windshield parked illegally in front right. of this building and probably in with City. the keys in it. Yeah, exactly. Or something, yeah. So then I managed to get through that movie. Then somebody else came in to help and everything. But then I got hired on another movie called Jesus's Son. Remember uh-huh. this movie with Billy Crudup? I do, I do. It was shot in Philly, and I got I was about a week and a half on that job. And that movie was a period piece in the seventies with a lot of drug use. In yeah. the, it was a druggy kind of movie. And after about a week of me trying my best, but not really knowing what I was doing, trying to get seventies. Period seventies stuff and drug paraphernalia. Yeah, without the internet, without a, 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 a connection to the art commu- the, to, to the production community in Philadelphia. Yeah, the production designer was like, "Dude, I can't. I gotta let you go. I gotta bring in somebody that Who has done this before." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was hard, but I was like, "You're, you're right. This isn't my calling. This isn't what I want to do." Yeah, yeah. But it was my two. So I've like, whenever I'm on something, I see the prop guy. I've like, I feel like a connection to him because yeah, I know yeah. it's not an easy job. Yeah. None of these are easy jobs. I don't know if it's just the case anymore, but definitely like, definitely in the early 2000s and well, and then, and then the early, ni- late 80s, early 90s, the prop guy was the guy with the drugs. 
Right. Like that was like if if people on well, I would would not have been that guy. When right? I when I've been on jobs mm-hmm. and there have been people that like actors that are drug users right. and wanted to say like, hey, are you a drug user? If you're interested in using drugs, <laughs> you should talk to Dale, right, right. the prop guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, okay, you know. The guy with the beard. Yeah. Well, I just remember being like, how do I need syringes? I need syringes. How do I get syringes? Go open up that production 411 book, yep, whatever it yep. was. Medical supplies, call them up. No, we don't, we can't help you there. <sighs> okay, well now what? I don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do. You know, I had to, I had to, uh, uh, I had to um, prop out a dentist's office uh-huh. once. Yeah, at like age, you know, twenty-two. Yeah. Make a dentist's office. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm going to break just, into a dentist's yeah. office and Get, steal supplies. Call dental supp- medical yeah. supply. But do you have dental stuff? We uh, rent it to us. Yeah. yeah, all right. You know, and just go and like ah, that one and that one. And yeah, it was kind of fun in a way too because. They send you out with a pile of cash, right? And you get kind of a contact high of spending three thousand dollars, right? Right. You know, oh, but, I was terrible at it. I yeah. didn't like having the receipts. I didn't like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was terrible. I, I, I mean, I, I was decent at it. I mean, I, I, I'm, yeah. I but I, uh, it would have eventually. I couldn't have done it forever. Right. Like I said, it would. I would have just kind of. I would have become an alcoholic. <laughs> I think, yeah. I, you know, I don't. But there think- was something fun about what I loved was just that it was like going to camp, like making, yes. like in production yes. with your crew, the downtime, the the in jokes that develop. Yep. Qu- you become very quickly very and you family. put everything on trucks and travel around like yeah, you're a little like circus. circus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, it's great. Yeah, but it. Yeah, but no, it is like uh, it's also a very codependent way to live. Yeah, you can't. It's really hard to be a, a, a full-on film professional who works on crews your whole life and goes and does a movie mm-hmm. in Manitoba mm-hmm. for three months and have any life of your own right. that, yeah. that isn't being completely put on hold. And right. that, was something, that was something that became very evident to me early on. It's yeah. like, this is, this is a job for people who are looking for a way – to not have to worry about their own life. Right. Yeah. That, you know, you get fed. It's yeah. You get absolved of kind of responsibility of, because it's like, well, look, I, I can't, yeah. I can't have anything of my own because I have to do this. You it know? is an insane life that doesn't get talked about a lot is even like the makeup department. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got to be there at six in the morning yep. and you're basically there till the, till whenever it's Absolutely. over. Cause you got to take that shit off people. Yep. And these, I see these wonderful people, but their their lives are just like insane. Yeah, and a lot of them have families. And yep, that they like, don't see for ages yeah. and ages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so uh, the, after after the uh, the the cartoon that you did, mm-hmm. does that go right into Tim and Eric? Y- yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. We had the cartoon was one thing we had made uh, in our little first reel of things. We How many about, episodes was that? Thirty episodes. Oh wow. So it was like they gave us the first, and they're like twelve minutes. Yeah, they're eleven yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a very polarizing show. It was very. But people I, are, I bet your work is polarizing. Oh, oh generally, all, generally. Yeah, but yeah. That first thing is the thing that really goes like people decide that they hate it and they probably never come over to yeah. the other side. Yeah, yeah. And then people go like, "Oh, this is what I've been waiting for." Yeah. Um, so that set that up, and it was uh, we were 
getting exhausted by the process of doing that show. Yeah. It was very hard to make, even though it doesn't look hard to make, it looked, it was a stressful thing to make. Um, and we just wanted to make whatever we wanted to make. We yeah. wanted to do a sketch show. That's what was in our hearts. You yeah. Know? So we, Adult Swim was loved, uh, liked us and was liked working with us, but realized that you didn't have to make a ton more of these cartoons, you know, mm-hmm. you should try doing something else. We pitched the sketch show and they gave, they said, go for it. So we made 50 of those. Wow. And uh, I love to the, the pitch of that show. What the fuck could it have been? I don't remember. I mean, like we it's had, a sketch show. That's it. Cause it's like that thing was so, we had made it so b- whatever. truly bizarre and, yeah, yeah. and unique, you know. But it can't be explained before. Not you do at it. all. I mean, no- we had we had made a video. We had there was a thing called video podcasts, which uh-huh. still I guess you could you could put up anything up to Apple, mm-hmm. you know, and you could put up video files. Yeah. So we did a video podcast. It was called Tim and Eric Podcast, and it was basically while we were finishing Tom Goes the Mayor. It was sort of like a proto awesome show mm-hmm. that we could show Adult Swim and say, here's kind of what we want to try to do. It's us hosting it. It goes into commercials and music videos yeah. and whatever. It was pretty basic. Like, I think the title of the show originally was, because the end of Tom Goes the Mayor got very depressing, uh-huh. <laughs> like the subject matter was like, my character, his sons died. And there was all these just like, we were... It's part of my humor anyways is dark yeah. stuff and, la- and the absurdity of death and all this stuff. But it was dep- it was getting us actually depressed and we were like, let's let's have fun again. So that was the name yeah. of the show, yeah, Let's yeah. Have Fun Again. And it was like, let's be silly. Let's, <laughs> let's dance. Have let's have fun again. Let's put on spandex and yeah. like, that kind of attitude. But then we re- everyone said that was a terrible name for a show. Yeah. So we came up with the other, sh- the other name. But um, yeah, so that – Kept us in that little family. Yeah. Uh, same people that made the cartoon basically made the next show. Um, and Adult Swim and everybody was still where we worked. Because Awesome <laughs> Show was so unique and so really truly – I mean because I didn't – I was, when, when did it come out? 2006? Yeah, it sounds about right. I mean, I, I'm having kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I have, yeah, exactly. I have, I'm having kids, so I'm not going out to see comedy. No, I'm not that much aware of like, you know, all the, the weird niche videos that are going stuff. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I start hearing about you guys, and I start watching you, and mm-hmm. it's and it's just the fucking weirdest sketch. Yeah. One of the weirdest sketch shows, aside from maybe like Wonder Shows, Wonder shows and, and, was at the same time. Yeah, so it, was like, the, so it is right. like definitely like. And I was just very much struck by and am still struck by the conviction that it must have taken to go. Because some of the sketches are just, if you, you know, devoid of context or anything, it's just this. Some of the sketches are like, the point of this is that it's boring. Right. Or the point of this is that it's ugly. Right. And and I, to have the conviction to know that that's going to work. Right. And and was that daunting? At the uh, time, because it is like such a, you're not, it's not SNL. Right. It's not SCTV. Well, the, the stakes were so low and the budget was so low and that it was very much trial and error. Yeah. And it was very much me, Eric, uh, John Kreisel, Doug Lusenhop, and and uh, John Mugar and Ben Berman. I would say those five or however many people I just mentioned. Yeah. Were, were aligned in and given money to basically make 
something that's 11 minutes. Yeah. And we wrote a bunch of ideas. We had the classic, you know, stuff on the board. Right. Here, let's try this song. Let's, you know, there was a production element to it that we yeah. had to shoot things. We had to make things. But that it was not going to be structured that that this is where the sketch began and ended and this was going to be, uh, you know, we didn't need to do that because – we were making the show in the same building mm-hmm. from from soup to nuts. Yeah. We, we were writing it right down the 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 room from where we were editing it, mm-hmm. and so the the so the production flow was kind of uh, nonlinear. Yeah. So we could shoot something and then reshoot it down the hall yeah. if we didn't think it was working, or we could edit it and slice it in half, or give the footage to Doug and go like. This didn't work the way we make thought something. it would work. Yeah. Make something, make yeah. you turn it into something that makes you laugh. Yeah. Surprise us, push it. We only have 11 minutes, so we don't have to we don't have to like SNL, you don't have to exist in a sketch for 7 minutes yeah. to kill 90 minutes of airtime. Right, you know right, I mean? right. You can literally go get to the cut away all the fat and get right to what makes us laugh. And it can be 30 seconds or it can be two minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then holistically look at that episode and say, like, how does it flow from one thing to the other? Mm -hmm. And build it and post and change it and blah, blah, blah. So because because of that nobody – there was the Adult Swim didn't – didn't want to know how we were doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, they just gave us the money to do it um, with some input, you know, throughout on cuts and on scripts and stuff. But, and with final, and with, I think the key, I always think the key, we came along at the time when people were editing in Final Cut Pro, which was not a big system, Mm -mm. and shooting on- It's homemade. It's It's like, yeah. It's almost consumer level. Yeah. Even though it says pro. But, and and shooting on fairly cheap cameras, you didn't, there wasn't the infrastructure of a traditional TV show Mm -hmm. that slowed things down or made things work a certain way. It was, we're just making this kind of on our own here. And we can make up the rules for how it works. And yeah, so we just embraced that. And that became the identity of the show. Yeah. One thing that always struck me about this show, and because it it frankly made me nervous, Mm -hmm. was your use of actors that were not actors. We're not actors, right. but obviously you got them through a casting process. Mostly, yeah. So they were coming to you saying, I'm a performer. Right. They were on the, we like to say they were at the bottom of the pile. Right. Of the right. casting headshots, you know. And I often, I often felt like I wasn't sure whether I was laughing at them. Yes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And yeah. I, and I'm, because they're very odd people. Absolutely. And, and many of them are not, Performers in any traditional sense. Right. You're not like laughing at their performance. You're kind of laughing at who they are. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes. And I wonder like if that ever gave you pause. It because uh, I, there were certain And I, I want to I'm not being judgmental here because yeah. these people are really yeah, fucking yeah, funny. Yeah. And yeah. if you're gonna and there is kind of I always felt there was kind of a brilliance to it in right. that television in many ways, even like, you know, you can look at like Tom Cruise as part of a freak show (laughs) because he's not like any other person on earth. Well, but he's just right because of our value system. He's at one end of it. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, the people that you guys had. Right. 
there, you know, and the notion of exploitation and the yeah, no, yeah. notion of like, yeah, I think you know, to be brutal, to be totally honest, there are certainly probably things I would look at in that show and be like, I don't know if I would have necessarily used all of that, yeah, you know, or I wouldn't, I might, as an older, you know, just lived longer, you know, I remember hearing Dana Carvey talk about this about Chelsea Clinton, this joke they made about Chelsea Clinton when yeah. they were doing Wayne's World the, on Saturday Night Live. And he was like, you know, you're just mo- you're moving so quickly and you are just trying to make yourselves laugh. You're trying to make yeah. the, the, the editors laugh. You're, you're just so in your own little world. You're not thinking too clo- too much about how things are being, you know, you just don't have that life experience to perceive how the, the bit larger impacts of this stuff uh, tend to go. But... In general, I think our approach when we were doing that was we were trying to create a a, 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 a holistic world in mm-hmm. that show that was genuinely odd and unsettling and uncomfortable. And we didn't want to lean on sketch performers to be in a commercial. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to lean on young – you know, the, the, the joke was like we didn't want people – we didn't want 25-year-old funny people wearing – gray wigs yes. and mustaches doing yes. a back pill commercial or something. You know what I mean? Good instinct. Yeah. yeah. And and also, you know, coming from like watching Letterman, seeing what how he dealt with real people with with uh what's his name? Uh Larry Bud Larry Melman. Melman yeah. And just the the comedy of real people and the comedy of the found footage stuff that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Just like people that are genuinely strange. And yep. and some of that was letting them be themselves. And some of that was sort of manipulating the situation so that they appeared perhaps more awkward than they would have really are. But, right. But also just the, I mean, we felt it was like a victimless crime because most, most of the, almost all these people loved being on the show and wanted yeah. to do it over and over and would have, and loved the work. And, yeah. and we were, it felt to us like it wasn't jackass. It wasn't like gotcha yeah. on camera. It was... I was also Eric and I both made sure that we looked like idiots oh, too. I mean, that's we what I was going to say. Is you certainly and, did not try like, and make yourselves attractive, right? No, yeah. <laughs> no. We were. My gut was hanging out, and I yeah. was bending over, and you know. So there was a little bit of like, and also you know, we would say we watched something. That's too. That feels gross. Like oh, the, okay. You know, so we would. We had our own line, I yeah. guess, and and other people might see it differently, but you know. Yeah, it was all. It was always about what what made us laugh, and and the. I always thought like the environment we were making it in was always positive and fun, and mm-hmm. it was not like it was no trickery, you know. Yeah, no, it was, I, it was, I it was, yeah, it was that kind of thing. But it no, I just I bring it up because it was always something that was very striking mm-hmm. about the show that made me think about my relationship to making comedy, right, and to what. You know, the notion uh, of like, what is a freak show? And it's all kind of a freak show. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. all, and what is exploitation? It's right. all exploitation. Yeah. I mean, you know, these, most of, everybody's putting themselves out there. And, uh, you know, I'm, people come in and they're, they, they, they do what they do. And it's your, if you're laughing at that, yeah. it's on you almost. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. but that's, that's a bit of a cop out. I yeah. understand. No. Now, how does uh, Awesome Show run its course? Do you guys just kind of say that's enough? We've, you know. I think it was, we, Eric and I kind of had this opportunity to make a movie. Uh-huh. And uh, 
And that started with Funny or Die and people saying like, hey, if you have an idea for a movie, come and pitch it to us. And so we we started that thing. We thought, well, if we're going to do that, we can't do these things at the same time. Yeah. We also felt we had run our – we liked the British model of like not making 100 episodes of something. It's or, really smart. Yeah, and just say – that's as good. Like we're really happy with yeah. that show. What if we just stopped and it was like it's that such, was the. It's such a good taste decision. It felt that it way. It just makes. It's just like yeah. Let's and like then you could always a go party back. Too long. You can always go yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did make a ten-year special like, mm-hmm. last year, and that was fun. It didn't feel like we regretted stopping. It felt yeah. fun to do it again. So it was that. It was pretty much that. And uh, so then we yeah we kind of took time off, wrote wrote a movie and made the movie and. Then did other things. Yeah. Now, um, I want to talk about doing music. At what point do you think I'm going to do music Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do music unironically? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, you know. Well, Davin Wood, who makes, who made a lot of the music for Awesome Show Mm -hmm. um, that we would kind of write together. We found him. He wrote the theme song. He wrote all these great pieces of music for Awesome Show. He's tremendously talented. We got together and started working on a song for the show that very much sounded like the band, um, and and we immediately knew this wasn't going to fit for the show. Yeah. But I said, well, this is fun. We should do more of this. We should make this kind of music together. Yeah. We started making kind of just s- for fun, just for fun. Yeah. Purely for fun, in because again with the technology. With things like Logic and a keyboard, you could make pretty much. You can go to Guitar Center and spend, you know, five hundred bucks and have basically like a home recording yeah. system. And uh, I just got into it. I got into learning how to make music, and we made a bunch of rock, uh, yacht rock kind of music. Mm-hmm. And we made a couple albums that was basically ironic parody style seventies yeah. rock. Yeah. That we loved. But I never felt like I had anything to sing about. I felt stupid singing the real lyrics. Right, right. About the complexities of marriage or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but then I I don't know what happened. I stopped working with Davin. I kept writing music. And I had kids. I had a a daughter. Yeah. And we bought a house in Glendale. And uh, I started writing songs that were like not joking, you know? yeah. but they were, but I'd also gotten really into uh, Randy Newman mm-hmm. and uh, Warren Zevon and, and people like that, where I felt like, oh, these guys are not ironic, really, yeah. but they're, fu- they're still funny. Yeah. And they're singing about real life, not always about their life, but some of it's political, some of it's just observational uh, the music is great. They're, I mean, I guess Warren Zevon was singing pretty autobiographically, but certainly not Randy Newman. Mm-hmm. He was telling stories, basically. Yeah. Um, and I felt just really connected to that and thought, well, I could write, I could probably write more about my life, not necessarily feel like it needs to be super serious. Yeah. But it's not a joke. Yep. So that's, I wrote a record kind of about my life. I felt like oh, I'd earned in, a little bit. In Glendale? In Glendale, yeah, yeah. yeah. I felt like I'd kind of earned, I'd lived enough, I'd experienced life mm-hmm. so I could maybe talk about my own life at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, yeah, so I, it, it was confusing. I mean, my whole career has also been like confusing people in the Andy Kaufman tradition of yeah. like, is he serious? People are listening to this now being like, is this all a joke? 
is he really talking about? Did he do any of what he's talking about? That's not so interesting anymore. <laughs> I always think like, <laughs> I always say like if Andy Kaufman had lived, he probably would have stopped that bullshit, yes, right? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I honestly. Gone like, you know what? I see, I'm there, tired of this. I know. There's so much Andy, you know, the genius of Andy Kaufman is, uh, and I get it in, within, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, the Scarlet Letter. I get, okay, yeah, yeah at the time. The Scarlet Letter is a fucking yawn. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Jesus Christ, what a boring fucking book. Yeah. And and Andy Kaufman, who is, I think a lot of people compare him to the Scarlet Letter. Uh, I've never, I've not heard that. <laughs> I've read I've read some books. But, but no, but like I, I go back and look at some of these things and I just think like, Jesus, fucking, this is, this is just a guy being an asshole. You know, <laughs> right, like, right. like this is not. Right. Like, it, like yeah. I'm not being invited in mm-hmm. unless. I am a misanthropist and a sociopath, and my right. thing is like, yeah, fuck everybody, right. you know. And I, and so yeah, I agree with you. I think eventually he would have had to have figured something else out. Yeah, because evolve like, as a artist. Yeah, like yeah. the wrestling, the wrestling stuff that he did, which is like I like wrestling. I'm, I don't right. follow it as, but I mean, my whole life I've enjoyed. Yeah. The the theater right. of professional wrestling, yeah, yeah. and also just this sort of athleticism and yeah, whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. but and the weirdness of it, like right. really ch- the working class theater of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, he wasn't being a genius. He was just doing what they're all right, doing. Right, right. Like he did nothing. Just entered as another there was, character. Yeah, there was no that, meta. And and mainly what he was doing was being a wrestling fan. Right. And and being trading a bad guy. One yeah, of the trading on the guys. coin of being on TV. Right. Into just getting to be right. a fucking professional wrestler for a minute, just right. like any wrestling fan would do. Right. But yeah, I, I you know I do yeah I do think nihilism. I think that kind of nihilism and. Cynicism and uh, you know, like every like so much attached ironic. Yeah, this and just kind of this snotty. Like now, too, it's a lot of people online, like a lot of younger comedy people. It's just like shit posting, Mm -hmm. naysaying. Yeah, and also too, like the notion of any kind of emotional honesty. Or even or sentimentality or uh, is just like yes, fuck yes, you, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. queer. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like no. Th- yeah. Eventually, you, when you get grown up, you're not afraid of yes. feelings, yes. and you can actually fucking have them and and find comedy in the feelings right. too. You know, right? Um, and I wonder because a lot of your early comedy, uh, you know, and even sort of. Uh, the stuff you do with Greg mm-hmm. is like it's it's not necessarily – I was going to say nihilism, like because mm-hmm. I mean there is a lot of awesome sh- awesome yeah. show stuff that you could call nihilistic. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the stuff you do with Greg, while not nihilistic, it's fucking hostile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the comedy yeah, yeah. of hostility. Yeah. And I wonder because so much of what uh, of my worldview and my work view has been changed by having children, mm-hmm. like. Does having children change that for you, or is it just something that kind of happens concurrent with having kids? This is kind of you know. Uh, I like to say that this is the jo- uh, the joke answer is that I 
incorporated diaper humor into my into our stuff. <laughs> you could see the moment when the, the diaper references. There's an there's this episode of Steve Brule where he's changing a man's a full a grown man's diaper. Yeah, yeah. It's very very funny. But and that did the, idea did the shit direct. tube did the shit that tube was, was no, that, that pre diaper. All right, pre, okay. Pre diapers. I. I just read something about my own work this morning that some, uh, you know, critic wrote about that the on what cinema. What a good way to wake up. Yeah. Oh, uh. just, what is the what have the papers said about me this morning? <laughs> wake up <laughs> by sitting at your booth at my, Sardis. My clippings. Yeah. No, but this guy just talked about the. It's funny you brought it up because he talked about the um, non-cynical irony of of. The stuff I do with Greg, yeah, the, the on cinema and Mr. America that has just come out, and that that his point being that while these people are terrible people, yeah, my character is a terrible guy, and Greg's character is on, in another in another kind of uh, on another side of the spectrum, a kind of a terrible guy. Yeah, too. yeah. It's our it's our sort of met, it's our like outside of that perspective that this is. Um, that we have a, a hopeful view of how people should be. Yes, <laughs> yes, right, a, right, right. There's a this is a negative example. This is how you should not behave. Yes. And in, in Mr. America, people that saw it said, there was because I play this very Trumpy, uh, hostile, borderline racist uh, buffoon, very Trumpy, very much inspired by Trump, that the fact that we did not cynically make him a success, we didn't make him... Uh, we didn't play the 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 move that you might see in a darker comedy, which is that he is successful and yeah. that he does become power. He is treated as a fool in the movie and is yeah. and is disregarded and thrown in the basically in the dustbin of San Bernardino politics. Yeah, uh, not treated seriously because we did feel like to play it realistic to play it realistically, and also to perhaps provide some hope is that these these characters should fail. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. 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 So I think there is. I love playing a, a swine, a bad guy who can yell at somebody because it's fun to do as an yeah, actor. Yeah. It's just fun to be like a bad guy. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, and you say whatever you want, and um, so there we. I don't know. I mean, does do my kids influence how I want to keep whether I want to keep behaving that way? No, because I can get it out in those formats. I guess yeah. so I can yeah, get it yeah. out in that way. But we like well, the, and also too, like you said, these people are getting their comeuppance, right? They, so it's not like you're reveling no, in their no, shitty always, behavior. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. The the thing that just befuddles me, and and we always get once this whole like the whole pedophilia thing, you know, that's come up in the past few years, where where people have used that as an attack on Hollywood or whatever, you know, right? right and there's right. like obviously that. There is there's terrible examples of this, yeah. but I've since I've engaged with in politics and gotten into fights about it and stuff. And one of the things people come, well, you guys are into pedophilia. Yeah, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's these sketches where you do these weird things with kids, and you do this child clown. There's a running bit we do with these child clowns. Yeah, where these child clowns are in cages. And and it's really – I mean, this is 10 years ago we're doing yeah, this, but yeah. there are some weird parallels, you know, yeah. to like the, sh the Pizzagate stuff. You yeah. Know? But we're like, that was the furthest thing from our mind. You know, when you're making this stuff, it's all about the, what can, what is the sickest, what is the, the, the most absurd, uh, dumbest, mm -hmm. you know, and how can we make this feel real and all this stuff. And, and I'm like, do you understand if we were into this scene? Yeah. 
we wouldn't be putting it in our comedy right, shows. Exactly. We're showing it as something horrifying. Yes. And just and like unsettling because yeah. I want to make you feel unsettled. Yeah. So there is this weird thing that happens in this movie, the comedy I did too, where people thought that we're somehow because we're presenting bad characters, we're presenting you know bad people that somehow we're uh, validating it or, or you know saying that this is how people should be. Mm-hmm. It's like they didn't say that to Martin Scorsese after Taxi Driver. Right. And they showed Travis Bickle like right, right, right. You know, it's like just, you you can present bad people uh, hopefully as a way to express how you yeah. think people shouldn't behave. It's always and it's always strange to me like when they. You know, I mean, how many mur- how many movies feature people murdering each yeah. other? And it's not yeah. like they're yeah. going like, you're a pro-murder. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's just like, oh, no, murder. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. used to that. And, you know, I'm just uh, just because you reminded me, that whole notion of the – of these, you know, and I guess the QAnon people are, mm-hmm. you know, like that, like pedophilia, like, you know, like that somehow, like I just, they'll say like that Chrissy Teigen and John Legend are part of some sort of right. high powered pedophilia ring. Yeah. And, and trading them. On. And I always thought to me, like, that's like, oh, that's very telling to somebody who thinks that what would you do if you became rich and powerful and could get away with anything? Oh, you would in- right. engage in pedophilia, right? And I just thought, like, wow, that's really the lady protesting too much. But somebody pointed out online, and I don't even think it was anybody I knew, that if you are a victim of abuse, and if you have been subjected to especially that kind of abuse, right. you see it everywhere, right? And so it's very mm-hmm. likely that these people are not. You're right. not seeing like some sort of deep-seated wish that they have to right. act out in a particular way. You're probably seeing somebody's trauma, right? Right. And then I, and then there are people who just exploit. It. I think they exploit. They're just the people shit, that I a lot, shit heals. It, it's that because you can yeah. just go down the list. What is the worst thing somebody can do? Yes, yes. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one that's unthinkable. It's horrible. Can't imagine that it happens. But I know it does. But. You know, you know, watch something like the Jerry Sandusky story, and it, my mind like stops. I'm like, can't happen. How does how does that happen? Right, you know? right. So it is. Now they have kids. You're like, I, I take it personally when people say that about us. Yes, of know? course. Um, well, in, in Vic Berger, they say, you know, that's yeah, a, you know the a, way he, he got labeled a pedophile yeah. by Mike Cernovich. And yeah, it's like, yeah. It's just a tactic. It's a weapon that they have. And it is. It's the kind of thing. It's the sort of thing that if you say, hey, you, you're a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Then you're defending. Then yes, you're defending. When you're engaging it and saying, yeah. no, I'm not. Yeah. When you deny something like that, you are validating, entering it. into the possibility that you are. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's just, it's just the cynical, most worst fucking thing, you know? And I thought about the thing about uh, the reason I maybe we joke about it. Is that George Carlin thing about, you know, anything is funny in context. It's all yes. about context, yes. you know? Yes, yes. So, like, the shit that I look at of our work where it kind of circles around that, yeah. it's all the absurdity of the idea of it. It's not any kind of statement of uh, how we think about children. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, yes. It's just, anyways. Yeah. Crazy. Well, um, is you there some- You want to ask the first question? <laughs> It's Heidecker. Uh, oh, dog that's my dog's here. Um, it's okay. We were just laughing. Um, so, uh, 
Well, I, I, uh, I was getting, I was getting to the, uh, where are you going to the second question mm-hmm. actually. Um, and is there something you, that you're, that you're not doing that you wish you were? Is there, is there a, something you're being stymied from? Mm-hmm. Is there, is there a, a great wish? Uh, you know, I think my career has just been impossible to plan for mm-hmm. and, uh, there's no way to expect anything. Yeah. And that's perhaps something I just have to get used to. But I do dream of uh, stability. And I've been incredibly lucky and successful and very comfortable because of a lot of hard work, but also getting opportunities for whatever reason, you know. But nothing is – there's – I mean, you feel a little like a football player maybe where you're like – I'm going to do this for a little while. I get paid more than I should mm-hmm. for some things. Some things I do very much for free or I pay to yes, do, yes. you know, my right, music right, or exactly. whatever. Um, or, or there are things where you're paid just the right amount. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah those yeah. are very rare. Yeah. But, um, you know, then that could, there could, that could all stop. Yeah. I have that feeling. Probably have always had that feeling. Everybody has. Everybody has. That. Everybody has that feeling. There's, but as as somebody that like my ideas are more challenging to sign on to. They're more, I don't know. They're we. They're more uh, niche, and that that seems to be not as. Uh, even though we see all these streaming platforms, we see all these avenues for stuff doesn't seem like that necessarily widens space for the weird stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. I don't know. It still seems like – Well, and your well, stuff so much too is about the execution. You can't mm-hmm. describe your stuff until after it exists. Right, You know, right. so. So you have to jump in with a leap of faith a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, as an actor, I do this movie Us. Mm-hmm. Does, it was awesome. It's great. And Fun you're to really, be in it. You're fucking great in Thank it too. You. Yeah, you're welcome. It doesn't seem to matter. Like that, it might matter next, you know, it might might lead to something else eventually. Yeah. But the the idea that you might have when you're a kid that like I'm going to be in a movie that's going to be a number one horror movie of the year, whatever, number right. like a big movie. Yeah. An unquestionably big. Yeah, movie. yeah. Now, I'm not and in it a, a lot. And, but. and ma- no, but make a very indelible impression mm-hmm. in when you Culture. are on. At, oh, in, oh. No, you oh. your your character. Uh-huh. Is you're not like just a sideline character, it's like a trick you, because re- there really aren't that many people in the movie. Yes. So. <laughs> but but you but like it's but, memorable. Yeah, like you are. You know, you make an impression and you do a great job but, in it. And I don't. I'm not complaining. But there is not that does is not an automatic that anything no. else that leads to anything. Tell else. me about it. I, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I'm not complaining. God be- believe me, I'm not complaining. But there isn't this feeling of like, oh, now I have now I'm set. Yes. For a, on a track. It's just like, well, Jordan loved me because of some sh- movie I, I mean, he knew our, all our work, but he knew the movie, the comedy that, uh, and then he loved it. And he, when he was writing this movie, he thought of me for that part. Yeah. And then I'm in the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't mean some agent or some studio mm-hmm. executive or somebody was so like, we got to make Heidecker a star. Yeah, yeah. He's going to go big, you know. Yeah. Like, none of that. It's just like individuals along my whole life who have been like interested in working with me. Yeah. Right? So if It that- does mean my 14-year-old daughter when I drive her to school this morning mm-hmm. and I say I'm doing a podcast and she says, with who? And I say Tim Heidecker and, and she goes, mm-hmm. 
Uh-oh. And I say, you know, uh, oh. Tim and Eric? And yeah. she's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But she hasn't seen it in a while. Right. And I said, and he's the white guy in us. And she's like, oh. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was at, you, I was listening to your thing with, with Ken Jennings. Uh-huh. And uh, you mentioned Wee Spa. Yeah. And so I went to Wee Spa last weekend. Uh-huh. I've not been there before. I just went there for the first time. Korean Spa here yeah, in yeah. Los Angeles. And yeah. I walked, I accidentally walked out of one of the men's rooms into the waiting room in my white robe that uh-huh. I had on, white robe, and this woman double takes, gives me an older woman, definitely not a Tim and Eric fan. Yeah, yeah. Gives me a double take, and she goes, I'm sorry, I, I, you look like that uh, guy from from us. Because, <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm wearing this white robe. Right, right, you know? right. And I go, I'm him, I'm him. And I, I still get excited about that. Yeah, of course. Hey, yeah, that's me. Oh, I get it, I'm wearing this robe, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's, it's all nice, it's all good, but, it, yeah. the, you know, it, if I could say, if you ask, like, what what what, I, what don't I have is, yeah, you you have that stability that, you yeah. know, like, this is what I do. And I don't have to worry about cramming in 20 different kinds of things to to live the life we live and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. But, well, and people make the assumption, too, that because you, you outside people will make that assumption. And so when you, you know, you go, you, you went out of your way mm-hmm. to express your thankfulness and your gratefulness, mm-hmm. which I understand that urge because people are so quick to jump on you when you I'm an elite Hollywood. seemingly, yeah, are complaining mm-hmm. about your cornucopia right. overflowing. <laughs> but the fact is that people do assume that because you were in us, you're set. Right. I mean, the, there there's a fucking, if you look up Andy Richter net worth mm-hmm. online, it says like- I did this morning. $15 million. Right. <laughs> $15 million. Right. Which is- That's a lot. Hilarious. Right. Well, you would not be- Absurdly You'd hilarious. be gone. Hilarious. Wouldn't, you, if you had, wouldn't you be gone? I, yeah. I mean, you'd no, be doing- honestly. You'd I, be- I don't I know. I mean, what, nothing you, against the Conan show, but yeah. Learning the banjo? Be, I wouldn't be showing up here four days a week yeah. if I had 15 fucking million dollars. <laughs> you just yeah. co- you just coast at that point. Yeah, yeah. Like, Fly like around. Nicole Byer was on the show last night. We yeah. were talking about- because. Uh, <laughs> like I think her website is something like Nicole Byer was taken dot com mm-hmm. because someone right, else right. there's some artist or something right. and she said that this person who has Nicole Byer dot com wanted twenty grand and she's like I don't have twenty grand yeah, and it's the kind of thing where it's like when I hear that I'm like yeah. I don't have twenty yeah. grand yeah yeah if somebody somebody's got Andy Richter dot yeah. com not just, me just throw away yeah. if they want twenty grand if they want twenty grand for it no fucking way I yeah, don't yeah. Have, I can't afford twenty grand to right. have my <laughs> AndyRichter.com, you know? I would feel that loss. Yeah, feel, no yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, but I I mean, you know, but that's that's that. So, um, call the kid in Ethiopia. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's got a nice cell phone. <laughs> uh, so then, I mean, do you have things in, in the works? Oh, well, I should plug this thing. This is this piece of paper what that people it? hear. Um, it's about, it says current project. Yeah. Um, no, this is about a podcast that you did for Team Coco. Okay. So this is, this is synergy, baby. Yeah. Um, let's promote, promote away. Yeah. Smarter is a new scripted comedy oh. podcast from Team Coco. Takes you on a tour of tech startups. Uh, and it's got like Joel Kim Booster and Mark Proach and Mark Proach is mm-hmm. in it. Uh, just an, and Kate Berlant, right? And and you and yeah. it's a and it's it really sounds like an intro. I haven't heard it. Um, it. The first two episodes for free exclusively on Luminary, with new episodes coming out every Tuesday at Luminary dot 
link slash smarter, which is S M A. Tumbled down the hill and yeah, one. yeah. Luminary dot link slash. I've never heard that. Link slash. Luminary dot link slash smarter. Oh, it's like luminary dot link slash. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I've never seen dot link slash. I've never seen dot link before. That link slash. It sounds like a like a Lithuanian name. Yeah, link slash. Yeah, yeah. My name is Andres dot link slash. Uh, and smarter is S M A R T R. There's no E in it uh, for you people out there. But anyway, um, I mean, do you have any big things in the works? Do you have a new show? Yeah. Well, Eric and I are going on tour. Oh, big world tour. Oh, in, uh, just be careful. I don't. Uh, th- I worry about you guys spending too much time together. Oh, <laughs> we've been spending a lot of time together. Yeah, yeah. We did a, another thing that will be coming out next year. That does it ever get to be too much? Well, the, the, the thing is, we don't. We do other things. Yeah, yeah. So we've we it was a little too much probably in those first ten years. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot. We was very, a lot of pressure. We were around each other all the time. We have very different interests, um, but but we'd still love each other. And the fact that we were able to go off and do independent things is a huge it's thing. Big. Yeah, and then yeah. you can come back and go, what's let's do a Tim and Eric year. Yep. Let's do a year where we make something. We just do this tour. We got another thing coming out next year that I have to, can't talk about, but it's going to be very good. And, um, Oh boy. I mean, pressure. It's going to be the same old shit. <laughs> Come on. What do you want? What do we think we're going to do? What do you want? You squeeze a turnip, you get turnip juice. Something as good as the Irishman or something like that? No. (laughs) It'll just be fun. It'll be laughs. Yeah, yeah. uh, We're very excited about that. And then uh, that's kind of, I mean, the tour takes us through like to the spring. Yeah, yeah. And and then we'll see what happens after that. Us, Us too. (laughs) <laughs> them us yeah, too yeah. Colin us too <laughs> T-O-O um, well there's the what have you learned question I mean do you uh, yeah, I imagine people come to you and say what do you what's your advice how do I do it in this life and it doesn't have to be about show business yeah, either yeah. you know I mean because I mean the thing I s- learned quickly is the process is why you should be doing any of yeah. this Making it, the working with your friends, the the figuring it out, the solving the puzzle, watching it later, getting people to tell you they liked it, getting people to tell you they hate it, all that sucks. Yeah. Right. I mean, listen, if somebody comes up, it's almost like either it's neutral or or negative. Yeah. You know, it's like if you tell me, I loved yes. this thing you did, I kind of, it's hard for me to care. Yeah. Because I already went through the the pain or the joy of doing it. And now it's gone. Now it's yeah. out and it's in the world. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice and that it you helps. made people happy. It helps you when know. I want to try to do something else Yeah, and people like it. That helps. Yeah. And that's why I say it sucks when people review stuff and say th- that it sucks, you know, yeah. because that's fine. I mean, that's it's what happens sometimes, but it does, you know, you want as much support from something as possible, but- you know, the, the the I learned quickly. I mean, almost for the first time we saw the premiere of our sh- first show on TV, I felt a suspicious lack of excitement in that experience. So I was like, oh, this isn't like th- we haven't gotten to the mountain. T- it's not this ex- exor- exal- exaltation of we did it. Yeah. Awesome. My show's on TV. Yeah, yeah. It, that lasted for like a second, and then it was like – Oh, the fun part was making it. Yeah, with my friends. Yeah, yeah. So, I is that something that. unique to you? Why do you think that that that's 
I mean, because it is a little bit unique. You know, there, I mean, there are people that certainly do feel revel in their accomplishments. Well, I want to say, yeah, I mean, I like Eric's always had that where it's like excited about the finished product, excited about showing it. Yeah. And I've lost interest in that by that yeah, point. Yeah. I had fun doing it, seeing it for the first time when we ever, whenever you see it, maybe. Um, and then it's then it's just not mine anymore. Alfred Hitchcock didn't even like shooting movies. I heard that he doesn't even like look at. Yeah, the, he, he didn't he, like once once he got to the where they're actually shooting it. He'd already made the movie in his, in his head, head, right? And made all the decisions he wanted to make, and right. it was sort of boring. Right, you know, <laughs> that he had <laughs> to execute the, it. The now. process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I like that part of it, and I think that as long as you remember why you're doing it, you're doing it because it's fun to make stuff. Yes. Hopefully, with people you like to make stuff yeah, with. Yeah. Then that's a great reason to do it. No, the the. The thing that you said about process is something that I exactly agree with mm-hmm. because and, – and it's something that I've told people. Don't make – if you want to – if you're the kind of person that needs a goal, mm-hmm. um, don't make it a thing. Right. Make it the process. Yeah, make yeah. it make it make it like I'm going to get better at this, yeah, not yeah. I'm going to become this. Right. And the big – the first time that I really noticed that was – was was being next to Conan and seeing him achieve his big dream right at whatever he was age 29 yeah, or yeah. 30 right and having spent all this you know and he runs on a high rpm anyway right right all this energy to get to this place right and then you're you're still you're the factory's still churning right but you've already the product is made, yeah. And but so there's like all this sort of energy, energy that becomes anxiety that yeah. becomes you know that I just it it it's yeah. gave me a sense like I learned from that right that like this drive sometimes if you you know if you make it just a thing right and you get that thing that drive is going to become anxiety yeah yeah that could very well become unpleasant yeah yeah you know yeah so. and also you have no control over how people are going to react to what you yeah, make yeah so let go of that M- make it be happy with it for yourself yeah. and then go keep work keep making stuff absolutely and if you pour yourself into becoming say you know i'm going to become this mm-hmm. um when you get there then, then what? what? Yeah. yeah. Then what? Then now, you, what do you have to aim for? You get, you know, it's it's a. I imagine it's a huge reassessment of right. like, what was this all about? Well, the trouble I've I've at least am self aware of my dissatisfaction of wherever I'm at. Mm-hmm. There's still a feeling. There's always a feeling of, okay, is that like like I said earlier with us? Like, all right, I'm in that cool big movie. Yeah. All right, that was fun. Now, what does that mean? Nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. not. I look at. I mean, my heroes are people that are way beyond that where I'm at. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. How can I be the ambition to want to be fucking Bob Dylan or something? Right. Where you're just that at that level yeah. is dangerous or very could become damaging because right, you're right. like, well, 
who's to, why would you think that you could be, be, be like that? Yeah. You know and I mean? also, do you really, do you really want, want to that? be just, on do you the, really want no. Cause Bob well, Dylan, but maybe that's not the best example. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, but, but, but you know, but I mean, but yeah, it, it is true. It's like, there's always, a, there's a cost for everything. There's a yin right. for every yang and, yeah, and yeah. you know, um, but that dissatisfaction, is that something like, is that problematic? Like, does that, does it get in the way of, of you? And is it something that you wish, you know, that you're in process of changing? It should be something I work on more. I mean, I do with the with every project I do. There is a does there is sort of a self protectiveness of it, or a uh, and not just about me, but the other people that work on it, and the self preservation of getting to do more. There is a feeling of we should this should be more popular. Yeah, this should be more. We should be on firmer ground. Yeah, to be able to do bigger things or push this. So as much as I say it's all about the process. I do feel protective and 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 and, and, and am dis, always dissatisfied with the level that where the project takes us to mm-hmm. to make the next thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do you always, wor- do you worry about ever being satisfied? Like, do you think if you're satisfied, it, it's a problem? I. T- that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I would. I would not give you a fake answer if I didn't know. But uh, I think some of that dissatisfaction. You know, gets you up in the morning. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Gets you trying. It gets more. you. Well, yeah. Yeah. It gets you into show business <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. You know. All right. Well, Tim, this has been really great. Uh, it was. I. I. You know, one of the things I love about doing this is that I. I uh, get to pry into people that I like and respects lives and find things out. Yeah, we know each other. We know each other sort of yeah, very casually, very but acquaintance not, kind of you know friendly kind yeah, of way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and. Uh, but yeah, this has been fun. I like, I liked this lesson in Tim Heidecker. Oh, appreciate ha- and you I having hope, me. I hope the listeners did too. Uh, and uh, I'm with that. I'm going to say thank you all for listening, and we will uh, be with you next time on the Three Questions. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Galitza Hayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 